Hey everybody, welcome back to the All These Branches podcast. My name is Mike. I am the pastor of Branches. I'm the podcast host. You are also a pastor in the sense that you are a meaning maker and a story catcher and a story seeker. And that's kind of all we're really here to do. Tell stories, let those stories compel us towards wonder, and let wonder compel us towards action. But I digress. We took the week off last week. Every once in a while we take a pause Um, But I'm very excited to be back this week with a very special guest in Jeff Lanstott, which is not Jeff Lancelot, as I'm sure many of you had suspected is what I just said. It's Jeff Lanstott, which for a long time I thought was Lancott, but we all arrive at the destination sooner or later. Jeff is a wonderful human being. If you have had the pleasure of gracing Jeff's presence you have been able to stand in the company of such a tender and warm soul, somebody who listens intently and who cares deeply, somebody who gives incredible hugs when there isn't a pandemic in our midst, somebody who will champion and root for you, who has the back of his friends, um, and who is just willing to be there consistently. And to provide support, to provide encouragement. I I hope uh, it comes through through this intro and through our conversation. I'm super appreciative of who Jeff is as a person. He has taught me so much about many different things. He fulfills a few different roles at Branches. You are familiar with him, likely, if you've been to one of our services in person prior to COVID with being behind the soundboard. We talk and joke a little bit about that and the uh, infamous projector of branches. And he also is on our branches board, and he plays the role of treasurer, which I talk about a little bit too with him. And uh, there are some jokes in the midst of our conversation about that, but in all honesty, his role as treasurer, especially over the last year, has really, really been centering and steadying for our community. As you can imagine, branches has gone through a bit of a turbulent season with COVID, understandably, with our finances. We've had to make a number of different budget cuts, um, and it hasn't always been easy, but Jeff has been somebody who has done his very best to approach that with a level head and approach it with a caring heart and somebody who has the best interest of branches and the ability for continuity in mind as he makes those decisions and as he He's not making them all by himself, obviously. Myself and the leadership team navigate all that, but he's somebody who has his eyes on what is quite possibly the most stressful part of any institution uh, or any organization or any system, really, whether it be familial or business or nonprofit, and that is the finances. And Jeff has uh, quite honestly um, allowed us to continue in a lot of ways through the way that he's been able to make critical decisions and help guide the rest of the leadership team in critical decisions when it comes to that. So thank you, Jeff, so much for your leadership in that area. Thank you to all of you who have given or continue to give to Branches. Um, It is funny uh, giving in the time of a podcast, uh, but really it's important, I think, for myself and for all of us to remember that what Branches is, is, is at its best much bigger than just that. This is a space for us to be able to talk about our ideas and help put those out into the world in a time where we're decentralized and not gathering as a community, but 
Um, your giving and generosity has allowed us to be able to hold on to the hope of gathering again uh, in the future. And there are conversations that myself and the leadership are having about what that might look like. Uh, we have not reached anything firm on that, but just know that those conversations are happening. And of course, we will keep you informed as developments happen in that area. Um, but thank you for your generosity. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a branch yourself. What all these branches means is that we are all branches of the divine, branches of this meaning system that is everywhere in our midst, this universal Christ or this persistent presence that is spirit or divinity. You're a branch, I'm a branch, all things, as Richard Rohr puts eloquently in the universal Christ, are branches of the divine. So anyways, I hope this conversation with Jeff is inspiring, is centering. We get into a number of different things. We talk about different microphones and how those play into speaking. We talk about the creative process and how that factors into the notion of bringing to light, which is what we're exploring in this Lenten season through our Lent series at Branches. And we talk about cracks of light and what it means to let cracks of light be places of inspiration and tending to those spaces. And then we also get into, towards the end of the conversation, what was probably the most meaningful moment for me. And that's uh, the distinction of cement versus soil and what it looks like to see this moment in time as a soil surface, as a place rife with possibility and replacing answers with possibilities, which really is the crux and the core of what Branches is all about and we'll be discussing and exploring that even more in the future. But all that to say, thank you so much for listening. Please feel free, like and subscribe. Let us know how we're doing. And again, thank you for who you are, for attending and listening to these talks and these podcasts. And I hope that at some point throughout this week, some point in your day, you are able to uncover the infinite amount of mystery and meaning that is right before us at any given time if we allow ourselves to slow, breathe, and recognize it. Talk to you soon. I hope you enjoy this podcast with Jeff Lanstad. excited for is being able to start a podcast with a little bit of a little bit of this action yes cheers jeff from across the fire pit cheers to you too fantastic oh there it is <laughs> emily and i uh i think we've landed on lumber beard being the best beer in spokane maybe not the best environment but the best consistently the best beer them and yaya brewing company i've not been to yaya brewing company i have i have been to lumber beard a handful of times before everything closed down yeah and 
I, I was prepared to make that my favorite brewing establishment. It's, um, it's a know. big decision to come to yeah. when it comes to Spokane because it seems like every seven days there are seven new breweries. Brand new, yes. Which yeah. is not a bad thing. But. No, you'll get no complaints from me. Um, I do like Perry Street. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think it's the last few times I have gone, including the time you and I went, but yeah. um, a couple other times, it has been really crowded. And I know some of that is the pandemic and having, you know, minimal number of people can be in and, you know, it's mostly outdoors or whatever, but... I don't, I don't, I don't want to be shoulder to shoulder with strangers necessarily. Right. I get that. I think that's fair. Emily and I also play a game where we uh, name the average brewery's patron. So like we, we try and gauge what the average brewery's patron's name would be. And I'm not going to speak bad of any place. I will speak positively (laughs) of Perry Street. Uh, and Perry Street, the name that's associated. What do you think? What name do you think is associated with Perry Street? Oh, uh, mm, I'm I'm getting a I'm getting a Devon vibe. Oh, that's good. Yeah, Devon's good. Yeah, we arrived at Jake. Okay. Yeah, you know, like Jake, yeah. the 37 year old dad. Yeah. Who just meets up with a buddy. Right. Or goes on a double date. Yeah. Or just flies solo. Right. To Perry Street Brewery. Yeah. Hey, Jake. Hey, Devin. Yeah. It sounds like about it. right. I like it. Or Jeff and Mike, because we've been there. <laughs> yes, fair <laughs> enough. There <laughs> is, there's one brewery in Spokane that we landed on Chad, and I'll let everybody's mm. imagination be where that is. Yeah. Uh, but also... Chad. <laughs> oh, Chad. Uh, it's too bad. It's too bad. Mm. Um, we can get to the podcast as soon as uh, this is the podcast, but the nice thing about podcasts is you can edit it. So I do want to catch up and just see how you're doing too, which I hope is fine by you, even though you have a microphone in front of your face. I, not at all. You know, it's, it's funny whether this ends up on the podcast or not. I don't know. But, but the me of March, 2020, um, was a lot less comfortable with a microphone in his face than the me of March 2021 and a year in pandemic mm-hmm. video conference three times a day, four times a day, all day long, every day in meetings that are staring at a computer screen with a microphone in my face. I'm like, oh, man, this I, I have a friend who was on a reality television show um, <laughs> and um, she and I kind of had this conversation about what wasn't that strange wasn't wasn't it odd to just have cameras in your face all the time said the first day it was it was the weirdest thing ever and then you stop noticing they're there huh and you just that that as as much as anything that's why people do goofy things on reality shows they they're literally forgetting the cameras are there because if they're always there then they're never there interesting And, and your mind just sort of fades them into the background especially if they're not interacting with you and hmm. I kind of feel like, to a certain extent, microphones have gone the same way for me. Like, I'm. It's been, just there. It's just there. Yeah. You know, it's just the appliance. Huh. So, anyway. There's something to be said about that with sacraments. If it's always. Then that was forced. <laughs> <laughs> here, here. Oh, God. Uh, um, well, yeah. 
I feel kind of similarly, but I think, I don't know. I think there's more. So I was getting accustomed to having a microphone around my mouth sure. because of the Britney mic that's at branches. Yes. And now with COVID or with the podcast, the microphone is much more tactile. Right. Because the microphone, if you're speaking in front of a group of people at branches historically, was a lapel. Is that a lapel mic? Uh, what is that technique? No, the lapel name? mic is the one that clips On to your, your collar. shirt collar oh, okay. and the the Britney mic. There's probably it's an just official the name mic. for it, but yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, the Britney mic. That's what I always called it. And it fades into the background, whereas the uh, the mic that we're holding, it's yeah. cold. It's in your yeah. hand. You know it's there. Yeah. So it is a different ball game, but yeah, it's all good. I remember even you were doing some experimentation, if I recall correctly, like the the stand up comedian. Yes. You know, do I want to hold my mic? Do mm-hmm. I want it on a mic stand? Do I want the Britney mic? Do I want to laugh? And, what you is, know, right. yeah, being able to, you know, hammer with the microphone. Oh, that's not going to end up in the podcast because <laughs> I hammered with the mic. But, you know, using it as a prop and pointing with it. And, right. And what have you. Well, because uh, if it's good enough for... I think th- that was born from Emily and I watching John Mulaney's stand-up where he was at Radio City Music yeah. Hall, yeah. and he was using a corded mic, and he was running back and forth. I've been working on my John Mulaney impression. Oh, okay. It's like they released a horse in a hospital. <laughs> <laughs> Very Here, here. That was well done. He's an amazing comedian. But the thought was, if he's running around with a corded mic and not tripping on it, who are pastors? To have these Britney mics, to have these lapel mics. What a joke. That's right. What a joke. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, but it's fun. The only thing is, is there's just one more thing to worry about, because then you're like, am I going to trip? But it keeps you on your toes. Sure. It keeps you embodied, yeah. which is something that I've yeah. Uh, yeah, been working on. I, I, am, I am often surprised. Man, this should not end up in the podcast, but whatever it's it shows the nerd the level of nerd i am i guess that i i watch i spend a a a fair amount of time watching performers perform Mm -hmm. to watch how they perform as opposed to their performance yeah and that that includes musicians comedians um the, the whole thing and and i am often surprised with all the wireless options that are out there how many performers how many musicians choose to go corded yeah. Um, and um, like like I was, I'll, I'll watch these bands. I'll, I'll watch bands on YouTube and watch them just step on their cords and 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 whatever, and think to myself, oh, "Don't pull out your cord." Don't. Oh, oh, and then they don't, and they're fine because they're awesome and professional, and they've been doing this for years, and it's okay. But I always have like the sound guy's thought is very much one of you are gonna pull out your cable. And then nobody's going to be able to hear your guitar. And there's just going to be a giant pop. And everybody in the audience is going to be angry and shake their fists. Because I've had that happen to me. Maybe not the fist shaking part, but, you know. It's awkward. Yeah, it's awkward that when everybody turns around and looks at the sound guy and, you <sighs> know, gives you that look like you've just ruined it all. Well, the problem with wireless equipment is that the mistake is often uncontrollable. Whereas if you have something corded, there's at least this sense of like I am in control of yes. my own destiny. Destiny in this that sense. that is very true, which That's I think is what true. keeps people. And it's tactile. It's physical. You can see it. And you know where it is. Yeah. As opposed to something invisible. 
Right. And, yeah. Which right. Is, which can be interfered with by radio or mm-hmm. cell phones or True. whatever. It only seems simpler. Exactly. It's really not. Someday, though, someday we'll be able to find projectors that don't turn off. We'll be able to find wireless equipment that doesn't get interfered <laughs> with, and it'll be great. Th- this is branches we're talking about. I am not sure that that is true. Well, that right. we will someday find that. <laughs> so, for those of you who are listening and are trying very hard to associate a name with a face, Jeff, as has been hinted at, fulfills has fulfilled many different roles throughout Branches' history. Uh, notably, within a Sunday morning context, you will often find Jeff behind the soundboard. It's true. Uh, running through slides, helping make sure the audio is great, and at ten oh three troubleshooting how exactly it is that the projector decided <laughs> to shut off randomly for the 80th time in a row when yeah. it was working perfectly fine all morning. Yeah, for, for two and a half hours prior to there being people in the room. But it's great. That's branches. And just smiling and waving and just holding it all together so perfectly that nobody would even know. Shrug. Shrug. And then Jeff also uh, has moved into the role of treasurer for our branches board. Oh, man. (laughs) Which is a far less difficult thing to troubleshoot, especially during a pandemic. (laughs) Uh, I don't know about that. But But one thing to know, and just to add some context to Jeff, if you were with us on Sunday mornings, was always incredibly good at troubleshooting difficult situations with the sound and has proven to be incredibly gifted at troubleshooting difficult situations with branches finances. And part of the only reason I would say, and I mean this honestly, that I am here and we are here talking as branches as an entity still a year after this pandemic has happened and over a year since we've gathered as a community is because of branch uh, because of Jeff's tenacity and just skilled nature and just your ability to steer a ship in the midst of an incredible storm um, and to keep us alive financially. So we are greatly, wow. greatly indebted and thankful to you for well, your guidance. I appreciate that. Um, I have. It's been a joy to do. Uh, I have. I have a friend who. Um, is a CPA. And one of the things he used to tell me is that um, being an accountant is all about being able to add, subtract, multiply, and divide really big numbers. Hmm. And um, I don't know how true that is because I am not an accountant, but man, I can add and subtract with the help of a spreadsheet really well. And and you've proven to be able to add and subtract really small numbers. <laughs> yes, incredibly small numbers in some cases. <laughs> Fortunately, not numbers in the negative for the uh, most part. Right. So, you know, yes, I am. I am thrilled to thrilled to have been able to help and grateful we can still be here and that we have listeners and people who love this little thing called branches and want to see it continue it has been a i think safe to say a weird season yeah <laughs> one uh, you know I, I mean none of us have ever navigated a pandemic f- before so as much as anything i am i often find myself grateful for um all the folks at branches being willing to um kind of come with us on all the different experiments that we've been doing because a lot of this has just been well i don't know let's try this thing for a while and see if it works oh yeah 
that didn't work so well. Well, let's try this other thing. And and here we are now kind of doing the the podcast thing. You're uh, you're steering that ship and it seems like good. As, as I've shared with you, it's good to hear people's voices. Even if I can't see them, it's good to hear people's voices and know that they're out there and we're kind of in this little branches experiment together and totally yeah so there you go absolutely well yeah it is it is definitely an experiment phase and also just a phase of being patient and you know knowing that normality is not the rhythm right now yes but to add on to your uh illustrious profile which i plan on prefacing oh, with as well you have fulfilled these roles of steadiness and uh structure but then the thing that i am most drawn to you by as your friend and uh yeah just somebody who looks up to you is your incredibly creative mind oh my goodness and your ability to come up with creative solutions and also creative guidance you've coached me through a lot Mm -hmm. of different moments of where i feel stuck where i don't necessarily have something to say but you always are able to draw out well here's how creativity works it's not a blueprint but it's more of something that you know there are notes we riff we try and learn and you have consistently pointed to how creativity can be the birthplace to possibility and divinity to hope to joy whatever you want to prescribe to that and we've been the series for lent is all about bringing to light because we've been in a season for over a year of just immense darkness and difficulty and so just allowing little cracks of light bit by bit by bit um even though it might be hard and we don't have the full picture yet so what I wanted to talk to you today a little bit about, which yeah. you don't have a context for because we went into this blind, is how you perceive creativity to be an outlet for cracks of light. Hmm. How creativity in the midst of darkness can maybe shed a little bit of possibility onto the situation. Sure. Um, I think... Uh, as as Mike, as you said, I'm coming into this blind. Uh, um, I, I was I was not given the context for this, so this is this I wasn't is, either. This is fairly <laughs> off is. the cuff, <laughs> but uh, but one of the things that that um, as as our good friend Dave Baird would say, one of the things that shows up for me when mm-hmm. I think about that notion of of cracks of light and creativity is the 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 smallness of it that very often people get stuck or very often I see people get stuck in, in the, in the ambition of their creativity because it's easy to imagine your way to massive creativity and then never start anything. Yeah. Um, because you know, if you start at the place of something massive, then it's, it's, it's hard, it's hard to break that down into sizable bite-sized chunks tangible like tangibility yes yeah yeah and so uh so that that notion of cracks of light the the kind of the thing that shows up for me is is um almost a like a benediction to starting starting so small that you can barely see it Mm -hmm. you know that it is that's just the it's just the spark it's just the crack 
uh, and then and then letting that become yeah. something bigger and brighter, right? Or not, right? You know. Well, and I think there's in something you've taught me and consistently honed in on is the crack of light is important, and it's also important to recognize the consistency of cracks of light in our midst. What I mean by that is there is no shortage of cracks of light in the way in which those cracks of light actually manifest into something tangible and something pursuable is through consistency, is through hitting that crack over and over and over again so that it can become more than just a crack of light but can become a bigger source of light. But if you're constantly thinking that you're going to have this overwhelming, gaping hole for light to come in, for creativity to come in, you're not actually doing the work of investigating the crack of light that might be in your midst. For sure. For sure. I think that um, I, I, I like the I don't know. Is it a metaphor? It's a simile. I don't know what it is. It's one of those things. I like the I like the notion. I like the idea that a crack of, of light or a crack in general is, a, is by its very nature not a precious thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's really easy as creatives. For, well, for, first of all, I think we're all, everybody's a creative, even if they're not practicing. I think creativity is just the inherency of being human. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that one thing I see frequently um, and I've been here plenty of times as well is in a place where I have an idea and the idea is precious. So I'm going to hold on to this idea and I'm going to nurture it and I'm going to take care of it and I'm going to love it. And, and, and it becomes, it becomes too precious to hold. It becomes too precious to do anything with. Um, and so, so the, uh, again, that, that metaphor metaphorically, a crack is typically something that, either uh, you know uh, worst case you don't want oh shoot something's cracking and now it's leaking or uh or it's an indifferent thing Hmm, i've got some crack i've got a crack in my wall where the plaster isn't quite right i'm gonna have to fix that at some point it's inherent um unwantedness yes uh, is is as much as anything i think it's 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 strength and an interesting mindset with which to approach creativity that starting small not nurturing it and and hoarding it but you know as you say the consistency of working it um has the potential to make it something that is more than a crack
So we've been talking about cracks of light in terms of like just where creativity can start. But to transition a little bit, a crack is also inherently, maybe not inherently, but typically a flaw. Yeah. If there's a crack in something, no bueno. <laughs> you don't want a crack in your foundation. You don't want a crack in your plaster. And you yep. already talked about plaster and yep. cracks. Yep. You don't want a crack in your head. Ouch. <laughs> cracks. Yeah. Yeah. Not great. Yeah. There's huh. inherently some sort of flaw nature within cracks. Yeah. Um, and something that's often talked about, and I think that it needs to continue to be talked about, is the idea that cracks or flaws are some sort of structural imbalance, some sort of um, pain, some sort of suffering, if you want to take this and stretch it out even further than just the crack metaphor, is often the place where something can be born. And I think that the last year has been a collective crack Mm. for humanity. Um, There has been, we had a rhythm, we had a foundation, we had a way of operating, And although you could argue, and I think it's 100% justifiable to do so, that there were millions of cracks within the foundation that we were operating within, this giant crack of a pandemic, I think, has the possibility to birth something. To use Dave Baird language, is there anything that shows up for you in thinking about that? Yeah, um... It's interesting. I don't know if this is where you're going. So, uh, you know, maybe I'm not picking up what you're putting down uh, or maybe I'm subverting what you're saying. And so I don't know. Hopefully this by all means makes sense. But but one of the things that showed up for me um, was this notion of perfection. And, um, you know, there's there's that there's that phrase that perfection is the enemy of good. So so while. <clears throat> I'm kind of riffing here, but so while, while, while the notion of there are, there are cracks, um, and cracks are things to be repaired is something I can fully get on board with the thing. One of the things that, uh, that I think about is, uh, or one of the things that makes me think about is, um, I did a remodel, um, on my office a decade ago now. Uh, in fact, a decade ago right now, Facebook is showing me images <laughs> that I was posting of this remodel I was doing. And at one point, um, uh, I guess just to make it clear, I'm, I'm no remodeler. Uh, I, am, I am somebody who <clears throat> did, did a fairly workmanlike job of remodeling, gutting and remodeling his office by watching YouTube videos. <laughs> Um, and at one point in the process, um, there, there came, or I, I guess I should say there came the point in the process when I had to put up drywall and mud and tape. And, and I remember that process, uh, like I, I have, I have friends who mud and tape for a living, you know, put up drywall, mud and tape. Yep. And they looked at my little 10 by 12 office and said, that's about three hours worth of work <laughs> and I spent more than two weeks on it oh, man. Um, now a, a fair amount of that was just being not very good at. I'd never done any of those I was learning all those skills in real time and so there was a certain amount of um, just learning on the job you know things are going to take me longer because I've never done them before but I can look back at that two-week span of time uh, and and one of the other things that I that I realize the me of now realizes is wow man 
probably a, a good half of that time was me trying to make perfect the cracks in the walls and going mm-hmm. over things and over things and over things rather than um, <clears throat> getting to a point of good enough and moving on to the next thing. Yeah. And um, I, and I, and so, um, so one of the, one of the things that I like about this, this metaphor of, of cracks of light or just maybe just cracks in general um, is the opportunity to um, repair the cracks uh, in such a way that it brings something different than was there before, Hmm. as opposed to tries to make perfect the thing that was broken. Um, And this is, this is a fairly common metaphor. So I'm sure everybody's, heard about this but and, and i don't even know how true this is as uh, versus just a meme on the internet but but there there is the meme that you know in japanese culture if a bowl gets shattered it is repaired with gold because the, yeah because the because you know where where the cracks are are part of its beauty or right. what have you and i and and again whether it's whether it's just a meme on the internet or that is a real thing i don't actually know but i love the metaphor behind it that we can we can repair into something different than we had not repair into perfection yeah it's also the album uh album title for a death cab album kintsugi uh that was released after ben gibbard's divorce from zoe de chanel but i uh okay because of the same thing applied but i think that's true that like if you're trying to make perfect what wasn't perfect Mm -hmm. as opposed to accepting that it wasn't perfect and trying to build back better i think that's what we need now Mm -hmm. more than ever to recognize that what we're coming back to whatever that might be is it can't just be the same iteration of what was right because that wasn't working Right. And it can't just be something that's trying to create something new entirely without highlighting the fact that what right. we used to have wasn't working. Right. And I think it's telling and beautiful. Um, and unfortunately, it comes from the most vile of circumstances that in this moment of pause, there's been this uprising of having conversations about Black Lives Matter, of having conversations about climate change, of having conversations about LGBTQ rights, of yeah. having conversations about women being completely abused and how uh, the conversation needs to shift more towards what do men need to do rather Mm -hmm. than what women need to do in this moment of silence, this collective moment of pause, this crack that's happened, all these things are surfacing and conversations are beginning to happen that aren't just trying to get us back to a place that was but are trying to expose all the cracks and potentially do something different, not in spite of those but because we're seeing them. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, it, you know, you like to talk about, or we as branches, we like to talk about an awful lot, the, the notions of, of both um, paradox and tension. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love the, I love the paradox of in fixing cracks, not considering where, where it was before the crack was perfection Hmm. Um, but trying to, um, but in the process of trying to repair and move forward, 
we we, we will get closer to perfection as right. a result which right. which is a fascinating thing if i go chase perfection i'm never going to it's likely that i'm not going to get it or i'm not going to get the thing i think i want uh but now i'm sort of in a spiral <laughs> uh, well but i think you're hitting on something spirally in the yeah. sense that there there are i mean if you break it up into a dualism you could see the world and perfection is something that happened that we need to get back to. Or you could see it as something that's drawing us ahead and something that we can work towards. Right. And I think that's the differentiation between a lot of mindsets within our culture today. Mm-hmm. And I know it's been said many times before, but the rhetoric of make America great again right. is so inherently associated with this idea that what was right existed and we've moved away from it. Sure. But then there's this alternative reality that says what is right is something that we are not yet at and something that maybe we have moved from step A to point B to. But what we're working towards is point Z. And it's not about moving back to point A. It's about moving ahead. And that's also the distinction that a lot of people have with divinity with God. I, I was going to say you you sound suspiciously like Jesus in that <laughs> in, in that statement. I don't know? have long hair anymore, no, so I don't think no, I can it's, play the it's, role. it's quite all right. You've got more hair than I do. <laughs> but uh but you know, I think I think whether implicitly or explicitly that was one of Jesus's messages was, you know, we can't go back. The only way the only way to be more perfect or the only way to to move forward is to move forward we can't go back to uh, it's it's a it's an even broader theme than jesus you know we can't go back to pharaoh we can't go back to the lands we occupied before we can't uh you know they're they're uh not not to not to stray too far into uh into uh, the hero's journey and the you know whatever Stray away but but i think that there very much is a um a calling forth a constant calling forth um in the repair in the reparative thing we do that you know the, the cracks we're repairing aren't we're not trying to get back to your father's religion or your right. your brother's religion or your mom's religion or or you know what it was like in the 50s or what it wasn't like in the first century i mean the church i came from was very much like their mission was to bring about first century christianity in the 21st century that was kind of their shtick hmm. um uh, yeah and and a not very creative guys yeah i mean that you know um but but the notion that um, the notion that a push backwards is going to push us forward seems wrong. <laughs> yeah, I 100% agree. What comes up for me in that, though, and this is really putting you on the spot, so I can kind of riff on this, too, if you don't want to just have this thrown at you. But I am 100% with the idea of, like, you know, we got to evolve. We got to move forward. We got to um learn the flaws that we've had and transcend past. But where does presence fit into that? Because I think the argument that a lot of people have who are maybe arguing for the way things used to be or who are maybe not as forthright in arguing for moving ahead and evolving and moving forward is I also want to be able to exist right now and to enjoy some aspects of life. Yeah, There's this... 
I think what happens is in the ping pong match of we need to get back to the way things were versus we need to move ahead to where things are going. Yeah. I think the bulk of the population is maybe leaning one way or the other, but also wants to be able to learn to love and live within what is right now as well. Sure. Sure. Um, it, it, Jeff opinion time. Sure. It, it, it is, um, uh, it is a tension and a paradox that we get into trouble when we try and solve Hmm. when we, when we try and, when we try and nail an answer to it, because I think it's way more yes and than most folks, most of us are comfortable with the, the notion that, I mean, to, to steal from Liz Gilbert, you know, that we need to have a stubborn gladness about the circumstances we're in. Well, while at the same time, fighting for something better absolutely fighting for something different um while at the same time holding on to the notion that each of us is fully contained in the in the word enough (laughs) that that you know the the little the little that i have and bring to the table is enough fully combined with the world is on fire and everything needs to change. And there's so much and there's so many causes and so much responsibility combined with, I mean, you know, I mean, it, it is, it's not just a two way paradox. It's like an eight way paradox. We can keep going with absolutely how, how much of a paradox it is. Um, and I think for myself anyway, um, I find meditation in that. Hmm. Um, I find, I find presence in attempting to find the center of that paradox, considering those angles and trying to hold them all at the same time and, and finding where that point is now. And then again, the paradox of opening the hand and saying, well, tomorrow I might find myself at a different point in that paradox. And that's just as good as the place I find myself in that paradox today. That is it. Just opening, being in that space and being in the present moment, but being also willing to open your hand. Yes. To what could be. I think of what Teresa Norlin, who was on the podcast, mentioned of joy and how she's like, you run towards that. You allow yourself to feel that. And I think that there are a lot of people who are wanting change myself included, who can sometimes have shame associated with the joy that they feel. And I think that the only way that we're going to be energized to be able to build something better is to hold that paradox, like you're saying, to allow yourself to bask in the glory of what may present itself to you, but also to open your hand and be compelled towards what something greater could be. Um, And I think that that's also the balance of Christ. That's the balance of a lot of great spiritual teachers is this recognition that like, look at the birds, look at the flowers, but also feed the poor because that's who I am. And to be able, like right now, I'm having a hard time focusing. I don't know (laughs) if you're recognizing this. There are so many different birds that are making sounds. It's so cool. There were just a couple that flew overhead and it's just 
like there's so much juice and nectar in what is going on right here. Right. And we're constantly in this balance of what do we do with that? Do we run backwards? Do we run forwards? And I think like what you're saying, and I love the phrasing you used of being able to be here and to remember to open your hand. No pressure in this. Yeah. Is there something within the last few weeks that is giving you hope? Oh, hell yes. Um, I, I, I shared about this um, two Sundays ago at kind of our Zoom meeting and then at the board meeting that prior week that, that I felt like I just fell in a pit. Uh, I was I was in a, a existential pit of despair, a first world pit of despair, I'll say, because <laughs> nothing externally was anything other than amazing. But, um, you know, I, I had I had hit a point where um, some combination of of winter and uh, a year in pandemic and a lack of sleep and some some injuries that were um helping me or maybe not helping me to to get a good night's sleep uh they they, they had all sort of come to this culmination of of a feeling of despair and um it's super cliche and i don't care the the first day that sun came out yeah and um i you know i it, it was it was it was the first time in a in as long as i can remember anyway that when the sun came out i felt I felt, um, or I, I remember telling myself, I need to run into that now. I need to get into that. I need to, you know, take off my hat and I can't dance around naked cause you know, I'm in the middle of the city, but <laughs> I need to, I need to, th- this needs to wash over me. Yeah. This, this, uh, this is, is hope personified. This is, this is rejuvenation. This is life. This is, you know, 
as the kids say, this is bringing me life right now. Yeah. You know, and um, uh, that that was a that was a very, very tangible um, reminder. Um, well, a reminder of the light. I mean, both mm. literally and figuratively, you know, that there there had been this dark season and I was, you know, for a lot of it, I was sort of holding it together. Yeah. Uh, and that's not to say that I, there aren't still aspects of my life that I'm just barely holding on. It's not like, wow, the sunshine's here. Now it's perfect. But but if anything, maybe it's maybe it's a sort of a circle to the circling around again to that that notion of of being present um and yes there are there are circumstances that can tug the soul tug the heart towards darkness um but being present literally and figuratively in the light was enough and and began began a change of seasons hmm. i guess i would say you know that the 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 whole that this is tangential i guess but um you know the the church background i came from um i i would say by and large rejected the notion of seasons as a thing it was very much a uh, um well you get the answers so now you have the right theology and now you have the right way to live your life within that theology. And then you pour concrete over that. Huh. And that's what you do for the rest of your life. It is just, that's just the thing. There's no seasons. It's just, you get the answers and then you have the answers and then you do the answers and, wow. and, and that's it. And so, so it's really, you know, seven on years coming out of that oppressive style of religion, um, it's still a bit of a miracle to me to, to remember, oh, seasons, things come and go. There is yeah. a season, turn, turn, turn. You know, I mean, it, 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 every, um, in big ways and small ways, every day there is a chance to be in a different season. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and most of the time, not of our own agency. Seasons happen, you know, and, and so... Um, that was a, I, I don't know, a, a rabbit trail, but in terms of bringing hope and, you know, bringing life was that was the, the ushering in of a new season. Absolutely. So. That's beautiful. And just the, the freedom to allow yourself to, you know, maybe have grounding, but to allow wildness to still mm -hmm. be there and to. I like allow there to be some room for flexibility. I, I'm not sure if you've heard me talk through this joke before, but I can, I judge the, uh, worthiness <laughs> or worth maybe of a space city landscape, whatever it might be by the concrete to soil ratio. Okay. That's how, and that's why Spokane, uh, Spokane Valley to me is so buff. Sure. Uh, is because, there's so much concrete yeah. and there's so little soil. Yeah. And you talking about the uh, church background you come from mm. and this notion that 
you arrive at a place, you cement it over, and then you move on to the next place, and you cement it over, and you have all these firm understandings and beliefs, and that is a good thing, and you need right. to stick with there, and you need to keep on going, cement over, cement over. There's no soil there. Right. There's no wildness there. I, every day of my life, am balancing between do I believe in some higher power? Do I not? Do I think that there is possibility given the circumstances that I'm in or not? Like even the question of do I believe in God or not doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Because what's more crucial to me is am I allowing there to be soil and metaphorically, what that means is, am I allowing there to be possibility in my midst? Is right. there a bed that can birth forth something possible? Yeah. Or am I paving over and so firm and rigid in the way that I'm approaching the situation yeah. that nothing new can be formed? And what you're saying of just we've all been through this moment of it's been really difficult and it's been really dark. And I know we talked about that for you too and just what you were going through but i want to say kudos to you because you allowing yourself to see the sun is allowing yourself to be in the soil mm. is allowing yourself to be like yes this is hard it might still be hard i'm sure there will be seasons where it is hard but the thing is is i have not become so callous that i have cemented over the difficulty and just left it to what it is right. i'm allowing myself to have a soil mon mindset yeah just to say that when the sun comes out there is room for possibility to yes. be had so yeah. that's awesome i'm happy that you're in that space yeah 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 i i love the i love the the metaphor of soil the the thing that the the thing that that kind of brought up for me was th th this notion I, uh so so there's there's sort of a mythology in my own mind of how i left the church that i came from and um there there was a final conversation um with some of the some of the leaders one leader in particular um and and i i would love to say i was this eloquent in the moment uh it is only it is only in revisionist history that i that <laughs> i was this eloquent um the 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 thing I imagine the better version of myself saying to him uh, uh, is the only thing less interesting than your answers or the questions you're asking. Um, mm -hmm. And and I you know I said some form of that in many rambly words with a lot of cursing and mm -hmm. and, and and what have you as as I was removed from from that congregation. Wow. But all of that is to say that that I love. I love the notion of um, the the questions are the th the questions are the thing that we plant in the soil, but not to grow answers, but to grow possibilities. Oh man, that's it. I yeah. So often questions are they have an expected answer, right? And of course they do. Like. We're programmed to long for security, and that's not a bad thing. But especially when it comes to exploration and being able to um, see what the crack of light turns into to kind of yeah. bring it back to that, there's got to be room for other voices to tell you what's going to grow. Right. There's got to be a concession of your way and your opinion. Right. Um, 
in order for there to be some new possibility on the horizon. And I think that's where we're all at right now is are we willing to have a soil to start with? Are we willing to replace the concrete with the Mm -hmm. soil? From there, are we willing to plant the seed without knowing what might grow? And are we willing to let what grows be louder than what we have to say? Mm. It's profound. And I, that's one that I got to sit with. Right. And that's where, to bring it back to the last podcast, we can't know the answers right now. Although we desperately want to be able to have meaning made now. Right. We can't. We're still just watering the ground. Right. And programming our mind to be willing to tend to the soil and to nurture it in the way that it needs to be nurtured, Mm. even though we might not know what's going to result. Yeah. 